<laughs> Yo, what's up? This is Don Willer. You're listening to the Cabbages Podcast. special episode of the Cabbages Hip Hop Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Suarez. I'm a freelance music journalist and critic, and I write a twice-weekly hip-hop newsletter called Cabbages, which you can subscribe to for free at cabbages.substack.com. Joining me as always is my co-host, music industry insider Jeffrey Lachlan. Hello, Jeffrey. How are you? I'm not great, Gary. Why is that? Gary, Tom and Jerry was bad. It was bad. It's, It's not a good movie. Oh, real bad. Today we'll be talking about Tom and Jerry, the 2021 movie that the New York Times called, quote, a sad, desperate attempt to make Tom and Jerry the one thing they never were. Cool. It was a bad film. Well, we'll get into it in just a sec. Today's guest is Don Will, a founding member of the hip-hop group Tanya Morgan. The Brooklyn-based rapper, producer, and DJ is an active solo recording artist. His latest release is called Space, a companion to his 2020 record, Safe, both of which are available for sale via Bandcamp. Every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, you'll find him DJing, and often dancing, live on Twitch, the show called WTF. Please welcome Don Will to the show. Hello and welcome. Thank you both for having me. I'm very excited to be here. We've put our uh, our weekly uh, discussion of the Leprechaun Cinematic Universe on pause uh, in order to do this, and uh, we're thrilled to dive into one of the oddest films I've seen so far this year. Define thrilled. <laughs> uh, well, I'm thrilled because we're talking about something other than Leprechaun, which, okay. uh, you know, I mean, look, we've done four of those episodes. I'm, I'm starting to get a little... Uh, a little sick of it. I'm looking forward to uh, going into the hood episodes next week. But uh, before we go into this film, uh, I was wondering, can you tell me a bit about your experience with Tom and Jerry in general? Okay. So Tom and Jerry, pretty much I'm 44 Mm. and I, I like, I have vivid memories of when television used to go off the air and when cartoons happened in the morning and on the weekends and before school, I'll watch, Bewitched and watch fucking uh, what's that Dennis the Menace and watch like Tom and Jerry would come on like like there were there were they had television blocks set up for the ages and demographics that were watching TV in that area like so the kids would get ready for school then the mom would take the kids to school then like the soap opera you know like that shit so Tom and Jerry and this this is the cartoon itself has been around for decades it's been around for like since the 1950s I believe and so. You know, whatever the station was would just run the cartoon into the ground ad nauseum. Like I, I, I went back and was rewatching them on HBO Max since they put them out with the movie sure. as a complete piece of movie. And I didn't realize how, like, just how much I'd internalized and known about the like. I know every beat of the cartoon. Like you know, hmm. what I'm saying like, like some watching some of them was just like it was like old memories flooding back. Watching like, oh yeah, this is what happens. And I was legit laughing at stuff, and I was also 
you know, watching things with my 45 year old 2020, 2021 eyes and be like, mm. oh, that wasn't right. But because we know Tom and Jerry had its things. Yeah, yeah. we're definitely going to get into some of those. Yeah. But again, like, that's just some of that shit where like America has its thing. So <laughs> at a certain point, as it like my my child, like my child, like mine, I just I just associate Tom and Jerry with being a kid and being happy. And it was like a like it just brings the cartoon itself. Brought, I have so many good memories surrounding fond memories surrounding the cartoon. I have a similar experience with these, which uh, were first produced by MGM uh, starting in 1940, uh, William Hanna and Joseph Barbera. And went through 1957. They did about a hundred of them. They won seven Academy Awards for it. But I never understood in that context because from in our age group, I watched it on television. I remember it was a show I could watch with my grandmother. My grandmother was deaf uh, from birth, and so it was a show we both could watch without captions uh, on and enjoy. Jeff, did you have any experience with the Tom and Jerry cartoons? I watched a lot of cartoons. I really like the animated form, and Tom and Jerry is for me one of the peaks that the original run of cartoons just before Tex Avery took over uh, and sort of made them talk and made them into like, you know, a a caricature of themselves. I really, I like Tex Avery. I don't mean to sound like I don't, Mm -hmm. but he, he really wanted to bend rules that were like great rules. Like them not talking is number one, my favorite part of the show. It introduced me to a ton of classical music. I mean, it's just a wonderful cartoon. And what they did to it, <laughs> what they what they presented to me, an avid consumer that feel I feel like it was tossed at us. I'm just like really frustrated with this movie. I think we all are. <laughs> because like a lot of the call outs and the like the tags of a movie that sort of push it toward this is also for adults. They even like came through and shit on that culture too. Like there was a really weird 1990 Batman reference. Why? Why are you like, who is watching and being like, oh yes, Batman from 1990. There's been 74 Batman since then. And to touch on that point a little bit further, like, I mean, if if they're making this movie for people of our age or people who have this sort mm-hmm. of like, I mean, clearly it's a reboot of sorts where they're like, all right, we got to reset this whole thing. Are we going to make it for, we can make it for anybody. But they've got to know that like people like me who I didn't know about the movie until the day, like I found out about this movie the day it came out. Like I okay. had no idea what's happening. And my homeboy Vaughn was like, yo, it's a Tom and Jerry movie. And I was like, what? Literally, literally cleared my calendar and just stopped everything I was doing and found it and started watching it at that moment. It, it wasn't like a thing where I was excited, which is probably why I'm, I'm so, so sorry, John Will. <laughs> Which is probably why I'm so upset because I don't really get it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it just, I didn't expect myself to be that excited about it either. Like when he said it, it just, like I had no idea the, it was coming back and I was just so like, oh shit, Tom and Jerry. Oh, I haven't seen Tom and Jerry in years. This is going to be great. And from, you know, like when they had the pigeons doing the can I kick it out, like, oh, this is kind of mm-hmm. cool. All right, this is cool. But I think that to touch on what you were saying a little bit more too, like the thing that upset me almost more than anything was the music. Yeah. It was just oh, the, yeah. Not even like the um like the big songs, but it was like like in TV in the TV world, you 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 pay for these really big cues and then you kind of get like like filler music to fill things up. And it was like, all right, you could have you could have gone a million different directions with this thing. But one thing that Tom and Jerry is infamous for is the fact that they they have fantastic music because there's no dialogue. So they had 100 percent the music carried that show. 
Yeah, and like for this, for the and music, the violence, be, of course. Yeah, <laughs> music is, is hip hop, you know what I'm saying? Right. Tommy Jerry is the first rap cartoon. But <laughs> like, if you if, if you have these big songs acting as crutches and then like the interstitial music or the music that's between the songs, almost like that's more important than the big songs just being disposable, you're just, it, it, it doesn't work. Like it, it, it was so upsetting. That first novelty of seeing the pigeons doing a tribe called quest, doing can I kick it? It feels good because you go like, all right, but that's not the part that fucked with me. The part that fucked with me was when Jerry was playing Jodeci's Come and Talk to Me. What the fuck was that? What was I, that about? Dude, I'm, I was, I'm, I'm physically shaking right now. I didn't want to remember that. <laughs> Jerry is in his hotel room playing Jodeci's Come and Talk to Me. I mean, like, so in, in my opinion, some of that stuff was like, I don't know if that was just Tim's story being like, hey, we need we need these songs. Because in my world, mm. Tom and Jerry is like, I don't know how, I don't know much about Tim's story. I, like, I, I need to look at Oh, we're going to go, we'll go into Tim's story in just a moment. Oh, yeah. But, you know, like, <laughs> I feel like those music cues had a lot to do with him and it just didn't have anything, like, it didn't have anything to do with Tom or Jerry. It just was, or the like. They could have been in so many different worlds where that where that might have even made a little bit more sense. But in this world, it's just like, what the fuck is happening? The world building specifically in this movie was so tragically bad. Yeah. Where like first and foremost, I didn't care an iota about a single character, including Tom and Jerry. Colin Jost was in it, man. No, we're not even going to talk about him just yet because that that's going to be... I know you want to hold segment. Oh, no, we could do an entire segment of Colin Jost. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. Don, I know like you obviously you got you got comedy circles, but in this house, Colin Jost sucks and he just sucks. Just Wait, wh- so, why, does, why does... I don't I don't have much experience with Jost, but why does he suck? What, what's wrong? With have you seen this movie? He sucks. <laughs> oh, 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 in this movie, yeah. It, He's a terrible weekend update host. Like he, I, I, I don't enjoy him in anything I've ever seen him in. No, I'm sorry. After this movie, it's undeniable. Colin just sucks. This is the first time I've seen him act. So I, I was just like, oh, okay, cool. Colin Joe. Like, but that's the other thing. I was like the caliber of celebrity that they had in the film. Chloe Grace Moretz, obviously delivering a very wooden performance. You know, you mean, the part- uh, I, I I kept equating her to Lindsay Lohan. No, look, Lindsay Lohan has put in a better performance than this. Uh, I was like, if, if Lindsay Lohan was hers, if, if this was the 90s, they would have had Lindsay L- Lilo in this motherfucker. Yeah, I hear you. Honestly, what upsets me about this um, really is, is Michael Pena. And Michael Pena mm. is a really good actor. And he's a good comic actor. If you've seen the Ant-Man movies, he is incredibly funny. He's so funny. Like it's not just the writing, it's his delivery. In this movie, he adds an accent onto his voice that doesn't belong there. It's a degrading role for him. At the end of the day, for me, it's a film about a white woman who is able to convince a white man to fire a Latino. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for real. Sometimes I feel like there's an actor trap where if you're in a movie with cartoon characters, you act cartoonish. And it like takes away from the, like the cartoons are gonna be cartoons. You can still be human. You know what I mean? This wanted to be Roger Rabbit and it ended up just being a disaster, which Roger Rabbit is like right on the edge of disaster, but has like a plot. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're not gonna shit talk Roger Rabbit in this. No, I love that movie. It's one of my faves, but like, you know what I'm talking about. Like it could have been awful. 
It could have yeah. been Cool World. Yeah, totally. It could like it's on the edge of like, okay, is this actually going to be a movie, or are you guys just going to like have cartoons run into each other and stuff? But it was actually really great. And in this one, because everybody was acting all cartoonish, it was like, well, where's the separation? Are, are we all? Are they all cartoons? What is the point of this? Does anything matter? There was nothing mattered at all. So there's no humanity in the film whatsoever. And that, I think that should have been the notch they turned for the film was to add humanity to it. Because again, like- That's what I was is, hoping. This is a hard reset on a franchise that was damn near just forgotten about in some ways. You know what I'm saying? Like mm. nobody was thinking about Tom and Jerry. Nobody. I, I, I wasn't thinking about it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, it wasn't really in the, the zeitgeist, the conversational thing. It wasn't being discussed. So for it to pop up and do this. And also, isn't this like the second bad Tom and Jerry film? Yeah, they did one in 1992. Oh, that thing. That's a whole other mess. And there, and the most memorable thing about that film is that Tom was voiced by Richard Kind. They had Tom's, like, he had a, he had a voice. Something wonderful happened. Who are you? Well, two things. He's Tom, and I'm Jerry. Throw this end out the window. Down, please. Get down. She's again. Actually, where this falls into is there's this very disturbing trend of trying to bring back characters that have been forgotten. There's a, a, a very grim film that was made, uh, I think came out in 2019, uh, for Woody Woodpecker. Uh, for real? Wait. There's obviously the Yogi Bear film from 2010, uh, uh. where Justin Timberlake is Boo Boo and Dan Aykroyd was Yogi. So they've just been taking characters from like, not just our youth as- The Hanna-Barbera universe has been raided. Yo, you blew my mind. There's a Woody Woodpecker. Like you just blew my mind. I'm sorry, I'm back on track, but yeah. I had no idea. I, had, I also was in the dark on this. There is a Woody Woodpecker movie. Again, it came, I think they it came out in 2019. There's like nobody in it. I've watched the trailer for the film many times because while I hate myself, I don't hate myself enough to actually watch that movie. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a tab opened up so I don't forget to watch the trailer. Okay. Yeah, right. tra just watch the, just watch the trailer and you can see. And it's another situation of a cartoon in the world of humans. I think it's more of a Sonic the Hedgehog type situation, but uh, uglier is probably the best way to describe mm. it. I, I'm of the mind that I don't particularly need to be pandered to. And maybe this is just something because I don't have a child. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you are. Uh, I, maybe I'm alone on this, but I hated, immediately hated the fact that this movie started off with characters that, did ha that had nothing to do with anything rapping to us uh, as, as tribe. The pigeons... That was kind of like a tone setter for me. And I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be like a, a hip thing. This is, this is cool. I'm into it. And then they, they sped into like the world building thing where they took five minutes, all of five minutes to just speed you through. Like, like I think uh, Tom was playing, Jerry was playing piano in the park and mm -hmm. yeah. Tom and, and like, uh, whatever, like, like the, the kid and his dad was like, the kid was like, this is crazy. And his dad was like, yeah, a lot of crazy things happen in this world in this city yeah, and at yeah. that point it was like that was supposed to set us up for the whole film and it was just done so like on the nose and clunky and just stupid they also leaned really hard they were like oh this is going to be a new york city this yeah. is a big deal it's going to be a new york city 
and we're going to show you the inside of a hotel lobby pretty much the whole time. <laughs> if you know the Tom and Jerry cartoons, if you grew up watching them, then you know they're based in the suburbs. Tom and Jerry are suburban creatures. Yes, they and are. And their antics are suburban antics. Dogs tied up in backyards, house cats going after mice. They don't belong in New York City. They don't have the guts to be in New York City. They are hapless here. I remember them as being suburban characters too. I remember them as being in a house and a home. Yeah. And like the uh, you know, the mom and all that shit that you never see. And like, like in my mind, I was like, this would have made more sense if they were if they wanted to be in New York so bad, they could have just fucking been in a brownstone or something. Mm -hmm. Something other than this, just like it was like an empty, empty symbol. Like it didn't, it didn't do anything to forward the plot. It, it kind of served the story of having homegirl like fudge her resume and do whatever she was doing. But like Tom and Jerry became B characters in the movie that's about them, which is like already I was, I was, I was out of it. At the point. beauty of Tom and Jerry to me is that they're destroying somebody's like real home. That like you can, you would, you sort of cringe when you see like, uh oh, the lamp went down. Yeah. Uh oh, now the couch is gone. Okay, the whole house blew up. You know what I mean? Like that's somebody, you know, someone in the suburbs paying a ton of money for those. And they go into a hotel and it's like, okay, cool. So they like destroyed a bed. And, you know, speaking of the destruction, Speaking of the destruction, like the other thing this film did that bothered me was that, like, it, it shoehorned so much, so many of like the the Tom and Jerry signature devices into like these moments, and just like they could have like spread them out a little bit more. So like the like the fighting scenes and like all the different devices that you would like you see in Tom and Jerry, it would just pop up in short bursts, and then they were like, it was almost like let's get on let's get on with this Tom and Jerry subplot so we can go back to this hotel story, and. It was, it, it bothered me so much because again, like, I think it was the scene where they were fighting in the, the hotel room and mm -hmm. like, you know, they did all the things like Tomcat was hanging out the window and Jerry peeling his fingers away and shit. He fell mm -hmm. and like hit the um, clothesline and bounced up. Like all that stuff was lifted straight from the cartoon, which Man. again, like I'm, I'm, I'm here for it, but why not spread it out more and give them more time to just be Tom and Jerry instead of we're going to have a fight scene and then we'll talk about Kyle and Joe's weird wedding thing. For yeah, it's a, it's a lot of it was just like they kind of put it between a plot that they really wanted to do, which was about a wedding that goes awry. And it's just like, no, this is a film about Tom and Jerry. I, I appreciate it on some level, the callbacks to the the, the, fil the the short films that we know them for, for the cartoons that we know them for. You know, the Rube Goldberg contraption scene. Mm, where you just yeah. That was one of those where like, you know, I appreciated just that that was part of it. This whole idea of a convoluted thing of this machine. And it does all this ultimately just to trap a mouse like that's the whole point of it and like that's great that feels like those old comics but at the same time it's just so poorly executed and in a film that's constantly shifting tone and perspective that you just go like i don't care i don't care that this rogue goldberg machine like it's not gonna work he's not gonna get him by the time we got to the Rube goldberg machine i was so disgusted with the film that i was just like i'm mad that there was something cool in this <laughs> I'm actually kind of mad at this point that like I cared what happened there because I know that it's just fleeting and we're going to go back to this 
horrible A plot of this like bartender who's like in love with some girl and is like, oh, it doesn't matter that she lied about who she was, destroyed the place where I work and make money. I'm going to go help her. It's like the perspectives that who was given focus in this film is upsetting. If this was written mm-hmm. differently, I could see this film being written where the protagonist alongside the story of the cat and mouse would be the bartender, would be Cameron. That would have been a more interesting person, somebody who is sympathetic, somebody you could be empathetic towards even, and just see he's trying to just, you know, make it in New York City. He's working a good job. He's got skills. He can do his stuff. And like, that would have been a character, his interactions with the cat and mouse would have been so much more rewarding. I think the tagline for this movie should have been, we know you're tired of your fucking kid yelling. So we got you for an hour and 42 minutes. <laughs> That's what this what this was like. Okay. I know your kid's been screaming and is is crazy as hell and you can't go anywhere. So we rushed together this piece of shit so that you would have something to do for an hour and 42 minutes. Thanks for your stream. People are going through a lot during quarantine and like I can't I can't blame people. Uh, for wanting to have that, but I feel like everybody. No, could have but I better. feel like you could have made a movie instead of that. There's also the characters who didn't show up, and they, and I know there's there's one in particular that really grinds your gears that he's he's not there. Uh, uh, Don Will, uh, what uh, what are your thoughts about Crambon? Man, that's my guy, man. I was so upset. <laughs> like like anytime I, I I think about I think about that dude a lot. Like it's one of those, you know how like you just have like those kind of things that run through your mind. Like I'm always thinking about the cram bone. Like he's pulling, he's using uh, Tom Cat's whiskers, his fucking guitar string, and Tom Cat was terrified of him. Oh, and like, yeah. I mean, uh, watching the movie, I'm, I'm it's, it's on in the background as we're doing this now, just so I can like get a, re- a reminder. Sure, yeah, yeah. And like I'm I'm watching it thinking like where would they even where would they even put him? But I mean, they could have just had him walk through the lobby or some shit and say cram bone. And yeah. I would have been, been mad. Then I would have been even more angry at that point because it's like, yo, this, <laughs> this is outrageous. You can't just use him for his line. You can't just like have him walk through like hamburger. Like you got to mm-hmm. set him up better. You know, I think I think we're actually it's a kindness that we he was we were spared from seeing him in this. But like, like OK, so the scene that's on now is the part where Tom is in the piano. He's he's in, he's playing the piano in the lounge. And he starts to sing. And this was another point where I got really upset because I was like, the, the singing voice is T-Pain. That's T-Pain, okay, yeah. That's why it's auto-tuned. Jesus. Yeah. And it's just, it's just that thing like, like I don't understand, I don't understand the, the cultural points of reference. Like, like I understand like it's Tim's story and they're trying to make it hip and they're trying to make it like speak to, it's, it's, speaking, to, it's speaking to everybody in a way that it doesn't speak to anybody. Well, let's go into Tim's story then, because I think Tim's story is obviously to blame for this entire movie, but it's also worth uh, pointing out just his history in, in cinema. So this is somebody who started out doing music videos, and then he started doing movies. And the first film he did is Barbershop, which oh. we I think we can all agree is an amazing comedy film. Hysterically yeah. funny, enjoyable film. Yes? Yeah, yeah. I've never seen Barbershop. I decided to watch Friday 175 times instead. Barbershop is definitely one of those films that like I've I've probably seen it no less than 20 times. It's always on somewhere at some point in time or like 
if you're at somebody like back in the day, you'd be at somebody's house and like that, but like you put on a DVD and the barbershop was just on top of the pile. You just put that shit mm. on. Yeah. yeah. So like he starts off strong. His first feature is like, it's this really great film. And then he does Taxi. Now, if you remember Taxi, Taxi oh, was, I with, remember Taxi. was with Jimmy Fallon and Queen Latifah. And in my mind, the Tom and Jerry movie is the spiritual sequel to Taxi. <laughs> I didn't see Taxi. I did see Taxi. You did. You okay. Uh, you are very correct. And Taxi is terrible. And that it's a movie terrible sucks. and it's a terrible depiction of New York. It's also a uh somebody reinterpreting existing material. I believe the original was a Luc Besson film. So originally in French. Uh, so it was Paris then becomes New York. Tim's story, just he has an interesting record where he's done some really uh, successful films. He did Ride Along, he did Think Like a Man, he did the sequels to both of those movies. But then he did the two Fantastic Four movies where uh, Michael Chiklis is a bunch of rocks. So like he's done some hot garbage before. His track record includes plenty of hot garbage, but also includes something as great as Barbershop. I, I feel like Barbershop being at the beginning of his, like that's his maiden voyage into the film. And it just, he sails off into the sunset of mediocrity, like of, of mm. at that point, because mm. it just, it, there's nothing, it doesn't sound like anything paralleled Barbershop's greatness. And even the thing about Barbershop is it, it um, I think that Barbershop is what it is because it kind of like, it had, it's like a hip hop film. Like you, like the hip hop, yeah. we're going to watch that shit. And if you just, if you almost get it, if you get it right enough that we don't have anything to complain about, we're fine. But the minute where it just becomes like you, you fuck up a cultural element. It's like, all right, nope, this ain't it. This is definitely not it. And I think that Tim Story can handle that. I don't think he has the nuance. He doesn't have the range for, <laughs> for this. Apparently. No. It Look. felt like the rap songs were there to be like, you guys remember rap? Yeah, yo, exactly. Yeah, it's of course. Like, yeah, I remember rap. <laughs> Thanks. Like New York, birthplace of hip hop. Here's a tribe called Quest. We got Joe to see too. T-Pain yeah. is Tom's voice. Like yeah. what? And you know, it's really fucked up because what really bothered me about T-Pain being Tom's voice was that there was a visual cue earlier in the film when Tom is walking through New York with his keyboard and he looks yeah. up at, he's at Madison Square Garden and he sees a sign for a John Legend performance. And I was like, oh shit, is John Legend gonna be in this movie? John Legend is not in this movie. He's not in the movie. And when he starts singing and his T-Pain, that felt like a betrayal. Cause I felt like that was the moment that you bring in John Legend to be Tom's singing voice. You just made me more angry because I I I saw that and I forgot about it. And now now I want John Legend to be his voice. Why like, wasn't John Legend his voice? It doesn't make any sense. I feel like I feel like what happened. I feel like in my mind, what happened is that like, Tim Story submitted a script. He had these grand ideas, and the studio or the people he reached out to just weren't with it. And instead of changing the, the John Legend thing to say something like T-Pain or something. He just never rewrote certain elements or something. I don't know. That's a classic thing actually that happens in a lot of films that are truly awful. As somebody who's watched a lot of truly awful movies uh, for the purpose of just seeing them. And occasionally for a podcast. And then you go and you read about them and there's that story is littered all over these. We're like, this happened and they stopped shooting for a while. And then these people dropped out and they were like, eh, just get this piece of shit into the theater and let's yeah. make what we're going to make. 
Yeah, and, and so I, I wonder if that wasn't a part of this. And yeah. this is uh, this is already the most uh, successful box office debut of 2021. It's more than $13 million in its opening weekend. Are I can't serious? believe I contributed to that, even if it was just a stream. Wait, are you serious? That number is based on theatrical performance. So that is it's the number one movie in America based on the theaters that are open. Uh, so you didn't contribute to that number, Jeff, by watching okay. it on HBO Max, um, but you definitely contributed to its overall success. Um, so that you can live with that and in, in knowing that you didn't actually put your money in his in his pocket for this. I have a stolen HBO Max, too. So so you didn't even put any money into I'm, it. I'm pretty happy. Actually, now that I think about it, I stole that shit from them because they stole it from me. Gang, gang. They stole from my same. Uh, same here, man. I, I'm, I'm using, I'm using somebody else's shit. So, gang, gang. I feel you. That's wonderful. Uh, I am also using someone else's HBO Max. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we gave zero money to this piece of shit. Yeah. Before we, before we, we, we get to a close, I'd like to talk about. Um, I want to talk a bit more about the hip hop references in this. Because you have to. Yes, because okay. for for two reasons. The first being, I think that. A lot of the, of the hip hop stuff, particularly the hip hop and R&B songs, are there to get some people paid. I think, it, you know, let's give Rakim a check. Have, don't sweat the technique in there. Mm-hmm. But then it's also there's the references that no one's getting any compensation for. Them. So like when they're outside the coffee shop and the, the sign outside the coffee shop says, I like big cups and I cannot lie. Did it? Did it say that? It did say that. And so what I think this is meant to be, even though this is a undeniably terrible film, my theory is that this movie is meant to be a reclamation of sorts of these characters from their unfortunate racist past. Oh, yeah. I think that's the only way you can reconcile the, the way in this this was made and the way that hip hop has inextricably been woven into this film. Well, you well know, they failed. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. I want, I've gone back and watched uh, recently through Disney Plus, which I do pay for, a lot of old uh, kind of Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck cartoons. And they often put disclaimers in front of them now because there's some stuff in there that's uh, either racist, culturally problematic. There's a there's a, a pretty nasty history with some of these. Do you feel like that's part of the intent of, of bringing in uh, bringing in a, a hip hop and R&B and, and just a more diverse cast? Is I a think, way of trying to work around that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think that, from from Tim Tim's story and involvement to the hyper diversifying of the cast to setting it in like a hotel where everyone from all walks of life pass through. It's kind of like this thing where, you know, like they're more or less trying to reckon with the fact that like the first few, if you watch the very first few episodes of Tom and Jerry, the cartoon, mm. <laughs> at least, at least when I watched them. I just remember being like, I don't remember these episodes. You know, what I'm saying? Like it, was, <laughs> it was like this sort of like, huh? Uh, this is this is a this show is not. It, it's kind of a fucked up show, and it it sort of iron it sort of smooths it out. But then you get to the you know, the Mammy Two Shoes stuff where they yeah originally had the the black woman who was Tom and Jerry's owner. That was that was the original person who was like the 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 cat owner. My bad. And then yeah. Jerry lives in the house. And they, once they like, you know, like, once they figured out it was insensitive, they just they just redrew her as a white woman. They did, then it was a white woman's legs, and mm-hmm. then it's like so, 
literally this was back you know back in the day one day it was a black woman the next day it was a white woman and you just didn't really nobody cared it was a kid's cartoon you know what i'm saying it wasn't it wasn't like now where twitter would screenshot some shit like hey man i think they just switched up and tried to clean this thing up but so when you have that level of history with a, with a, 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 a franchise that everybody's more or less forgotten about and then you bring it back in this way that includes everybody it doesn't really speak for anybody at that point because again like if you think about um what's that spider-man into the into the multiverse i think yeah yeah right yeah when you think about that like the way that it was the way that it um focused on miles morales and like kind of gave 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 that gave like gave like that character like a racial identity that that was it wasn't a white kid it was like it was like a a spanish kid and like Mm -hmm. all of a sudden all of a sudden the the film became bigger than what it was this one they just tried to for better or worse include everybody in a sense to more or less absolve themselves of their past Mm. but they also just absolve themselves of any sort of like identifying quality for anybody because you know everybody just feels like a, a byproduct of something like nobody no nobody feels important it, it, just, it just doesn't speak for anybody there's no meaning in yeah. any of it yeah. I, I totally agree with you 100 percent. and you know i feel like the reason i'm so mad is that it's not just that they like remade something and made it for today's kids and i'm out of touch Although you are pretty out of touch. Oh, 100%. I'm usually the first person to admit, like, I have no idea what kids want. I don't care. But it's it's wild that, like, I felt like it was a failure by, like, trying to be in touch with me or be in right. touch with the audience the way that they tried to do it. It was it was manufactured and it was soulless to me. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, again, like, I'm watching it. It's, it's playing in the background now. Mm. And, you know, they they just didn't care about how they, they didn't care about having like any sort of salient racial identity for the film, which is Tom and Jerry again, yeah. like they're, they're, yeah. they're not like this, this, this isn't like fucking Selma where they're, you know, like going to solve shit, but <laughs> it's definitely, a, it's, it's a film where, you know, Tom and Jerry themselves, they're a cat and a mouse. They don't really have a, a racial identity. They're, they're fucking cat and mouse, hmm. and they're in a hotel. But it could have just as easily been a story about the bartender, you right? Know what I'm like, and that would have that would have done a lot more than the little scammer subplot that that was going on. The bartender was given scarcely more than just a platform for her to complain to. Right. Just a little bit more. That guy, like, it was just enough character to be not completely skin tight racist. You know what I mean? Like, it was, he just sort of stood in the background and was like, what is she doing now? You know, like an old sitcom. That's what it felt like. Like an 80s sitcom with those two. This will they, won't they. But it's like, you didn't bring, what do I know about this dude? What does it matter? Yeah. Like, there's no scene where you find out where he lives. You don't no. go home. You don't see because again, they're not in New York, so they're not bringing any actual New York elements into this. 
into this right because so like, like you're not getting the reality of of what it's like right the know? reality being that they probably have to go out like way out of the city limits from where that would be on like 42nd street yeah so they're like tired and beat up and have to be on the subway for two hours a day to come to this hotel. And he's also like, he seems like a really well-adjusted guy. Like he just seems like somebody who's sure. just like, he understands what's going on. And he's just like, he understands life in ways that, you know, Chloe Grace Moretz's character does not. And, you know, his, he's like, he his kindness is to her after everything that she's done. Just, it just feels like it insults the intelligence of just us and the children that this film is supposed to be for. Oh, that's, that's what I mean. Like it's, it's, you can't do that to like, please, you can do that to me if you want. I'll go see like old dogs or whatever. And it's terrible, but to do this to kids films, it really bothers me. Like that dude should be a cool character. Yeah. And like, you know, like, so, and that's the other thing too. He says an alcohol thief. (laughs) This this is something that, this is something that I noticed that, you know, uh, it kind of bothered me a little bit, but it was like a, a really slight thing. Like, the dude had Jordan Five. He had like the the metal the metal gray Jordan Fives on it. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, yeah. Homegirl was just like, oh, cool shoes. And he's like, yeah, they're Jordan. They're the Jordan Fives. Like he really, he really made it a point to discuss the shoes. And that was one of those things where I was like, okay, so is that for, is that for kids? Is that for people of a certain age? Is that for black people? Like, who is this for? Mm-hmm. And it was it was so slight, but it was it was almost like. It was like a, a small red flag to the bigger issues with the entire film that, you know, like it just tries so hard to re- relate to everybody. It, basically, this film is that, hey, teenagers meme where. <laughs> yes. It's Steve Buscemi from 30 Rock. How you doing, fellow kids? <laughs> which is also notable, which is also notable because uh, Chloe Grace Moretz, I mean, the, my favorite role she of hers so good is. in 30 Rock. He was great in 30 Rock. But she even. was just so awful in this film. She was just every scene. Even down to the way the shoes were laced, I was mm. like, "All right, a dude that wears those shoes would not wear them like that." So mm. I don't know if it was. I just the film was a hot mess from several angles, and I like it's almost like one of those things where I want to keep watching it now so that I can figure out exactly what went wrong, or like I want to read about it. Or I want to like yeah. meet Tim's story of like, "Hey, man, tell me about making this movie because." I don't the backstory know. is going to come out at some yeah. point and it's going to yeah. involve, I'll guarantee it's going to involve somebody being like, yeah, it got wrecked because of this giant thing. It has to, because again, like they had so much source material and so much history to work from. And the way that the, if you watch the film, like if you watch the film, then go back and like, like kind of speed through the, 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 the shorts, like they run through, they run through all the beats like at a certain point Tom and Jerry used to be friends they work together and like they they do certain things with like again they have certain devices that they employ yeah in like propelling the story forward but you know it it you could just tell like at a, like at the heart of this thing there is the movie that we wanted to see like it's almost like it, <laughs> but they just they just covered it up i i that makes a lot of sense to me and it that that movie sits very poorly with me. I was really, really bummed after that yeah. one. It doesn't bode well that one of the next projects on Tim Story's slate is a film version of the board game Monopoly. No. Uh, Wait, uh, where rumored real capitalism rumored, the movie? Rumored to star one of Tim Story's most reliable collaborators, who was not in Tom and Jerry for thankfully, uh Kevin Hart. So Kevin Hart in Monopoly, the movie. Is Kevin Hart the Monopoly man? 
I'm suddenly my interest is a little peaked. Like, also, how do you make Monopoly into a movie? Like, what do you? Are these people just going to buy properties and have like a culture war? The synopsis that I have, which is a one sentence, uh, I guess, not even an elevator pitch, says the movie centers on a boy from the game's modest Baltic Avenue on a quest no. to make a fortune. So humble oh, no. Baltic Avenue boy makes good. Oh, the rags to riches. They're going to rags to riches us. I can already see <laughs> this film going bad because one of the, what I think the charm of Monopoly, I haven't, I, I haven't played Monopoly in years, so I'm just, mm. but I think the charm of Monopoly is that it's this sort of like Ford Model T car era version of capitalism where, mm. you know what I'm saying? Like the, the, the cop with the nightclub will, grab you by the collar and toss you in jail for a night in the drunk tank and you wake up and like all that sort of shit. Yeah. I don't see how they're going to bring that. I don't think, again, like I don't think Tim has the range to, or nuance to bring that to, to the new millennium where, where it needs to be to make sense. Like, is he going to do like a period piece? It's the same era we're describing, the the drunk tank era. We're talking about the same era is Tom and Jerry conceivably, you know, 1940s oh, and 1950s. Monopoly is going to open up with uh, a tribe called Quest. Uh, Electric relaxation is going to be the top hat and the (laughs) the mm. singing. (laughs) Look, don't give Tim Story any ideas, okay? Please. The Monopoly is a game where you're basically second generation rich to start. It's about being born into, into privilege. That's the whole point of the game. And we're going to start at Baltic Avenue. I don't know, man. I'm back out. Yeah, I'm. I'm not in. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna watch it just to see if Kevin Hart is the Monopoly man. I got it. Yeah. We, so I feel like we meet back here in a year when this is done. Oh, absolutely. And we watch this movie together, and we come back and we talk about Kevin Hart as Monopoly man and how awful that film will be. Well, I thought we were gonna come back next week to talk about Tom and Jerry. Oh, we're gonna do this more. Oh, sure, sure, sure. I've only covered half of my disappointment. I feel like this one, this episode has turned out to be like gravely serious because this movie wasn't even funny bad. Yeah, there, there, was, no, there was nothing really funny about it. Like, no. I didn't know once. I gotta be honest. I actually, I came into this episode uh, being like, oh good, a break from the Leprechaun movies. And now mm-hmm. it's like, I can't wait to fucking talk about Leprechaun in the hood. I can't wait. I can't it's fucking wait so now. Fun. I'm it now sucks so that we're excited. not talking to John Will about something fun. Sorry, I'm such a bummer, guys. <laughs> I don't, it's not your fault. Our childhood died a little tonight, and it, we at least shared the experience together. It was beaten to death and froze. The one positive coming out of this is that maybe some kids will watch those original Tom and Jerry's and have a delightful time and listen to classical music. Oh, absolutely. Hopefully. Like They'll watch the original Tom and Jerry's and discover Tribe Called Quest, and it'll just be... They'll become us all over again. If, right? that's, if that's the major takeaway, I will eat my words on. I'll walk away being like, yo, kids are listening to Tribe Called Quest, watch Tom Jerry. I have no problems with this. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm not optimistic. I'm not either. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to watch Tom and Jerry and listen to Tribe Called Quest as soon as we're done.
I didn't even take notes. I always take notes during these movies. About halfway through the first scene, I was like, I'm not taking notes on this fucking shit. I don't want to remember nothing anything. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't like the animation. I didn't like the music. No. I didn't like the acting. I didn't like. <laughs> My notes are: Jerry is a dick. I'm Team Tom. I've always been Team Tom since the very beginning. I find Jerry to be a bit of a showboat. Oh yeah, Jerry's an asshole, man. Okay, I mean, cool. you know, Tom is, uh, for what it's worth, Tom is definitely, you know, sometimes he's kind of overboard. Yeah, totally. Like when you think about the 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 short where uh, Jerry was just fucking getting the dog to beat up Tom for no reason. Right. Like, yeah. That's minutes. when I get really mad. I'm like, yo, he's he has has accepted the fact that he has been bested by a mouse, and now you're like sicking a gigantic animal on him that's how we're gonna find peace i don't think so no right but so i i think that we need jerry to be an asshole so that yeah. we can like tom but and that's again like i think not just to bring it back full circle yeah that's probably what i hated about the film is that i remember being a tom being team tom mm-hmm. and there was nothing here for me to root for nothing nothing 